Blog Talk Radio. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice. Hi, welcome to the Kudzu Vine for March 22nd, 2020. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Joining me as always, welcome back, Catherine Smith. Greetings from Atlanta. And welcome, Tim Shiflett. Good evening, sir. All right, glad to have you all on the show. Glad to be podcasting. Um, one of those things that, that you can completely do safely is get on the phone with other people over the Internet and talk. Um, so, so good to have this outlet. Uh, tonight on the show, in about 20 minutes, uh, Dan Judy of North Star Opinion Strategies will be calling in, and we haven't talked to Dan in quite a while. We're going to get a, a conservative, you know, Republican perspective on things and have one of those in a few weeks. And definitely in these times, it's good to have other – ideas just because we're all one nation we're all one world and it's um we're kind of all in this boat together um even we don't agree on every aspect of it but uh Catherine um let's kind of start off you weren't on the show last week we had Wendy Davis fill in and thanks again to her um you were actually kind of dealing with this I mean how much you need to say about that that's that's what you need to figure out but kind of what's your thoughts on not even the political di- uh, dynamic at first, but just the world dynamic. Well, yeah, I was not on last week because um, I do work for a um, health care provider. Um, while I'm not on the front lines and I've been uh, home, isolated um, since midday last Monday, um, we are a health care provider. And so as part of our senior team, I, w- I have been on. Uh, calls every day and one of them was last Sunday so that's why I wasn't here Uh, it's very scary and um, you know a whole new world for everyone Uh, this sort of new normal is um, is like I said it's it's scary and it's an adjustment Um, I think there's been a lot of, you know, jokes and uh, memes around the internet about introverts and extroverts, and I'm certainly an extrovert, so it's it's been um, tricky for me to not be in the office uh, working with my colleagues, and, um, you know, I've, I've been having some te- technological problems and all that kind of stuff, everything that everybody else is having, um, but, and I've been... I haven't watched these press briefings every day, but I've been watching them probably every other day. And uh, I must say that I'm not getting a lot of, uh, not getting a sense of assurance or confidence in uh, our leadership in watching, in watching these um, briefings. I appreciate that they're doing them and I'm glad that I just wish they were, better organized and uh, more informative and less uh, 
contrary, I guess is the word. You know, you hear one thing from from a scientist, and then the president gets on and contradicts it, and it's uh, it, it's just I don't feel like there are. Um, national leadership is doing a very good job of reassuring uh, the American people that everything's in good hands. I mean, I know it's a new, it's a new thing and it's hard to um, do that, but I I feel like it's their job. The one, the one thing that is, has been helpful is watching Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York and Gavin Newsom, the the, um, governor of California, talking because I feel like they're being very um, straightforward and informative as well as being encouraging. So that's sort of where I, where I am. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll get more into um, Andrew Cuomo in particular. Maybe he's getting the coverage, um, but, but he's definitely uh, brought a different political spin as far as how you can handle this crisis, not as a doctor. Um Tim, I think of that bumper, you know, lead, follow, or get the hell out of the way. And um, I don't think Trump's capable of the first one. And so, therefore, when he has his best moments at these things, it's when he probably does the third one and just gets out of the way and like, lets Dr. Fossey do the talk. <laughs> yeah. Predicted uh, wait, by the wait. medical professionals. Which, yeah. unfortunately, is, is, is not often enough. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I sort of, I, I sort of wish that the president, un, un, unless it was just vital, just didn't attend and let Pence lead these things because he's the guy he appointed to chair this committee uh, to to oversee to deal with this crisis. Why not just let him do it? And he could be in the Oval Office being presidential instead of coming out and kind of holding court it it's uh it it when you watch him and then you watch a guy like Cuomo it's just it's just daylight and dark out there but uh we've uh we've got a lot of really bad stuff facing us shortly uh politically economically uh, socially, probably spiritually, and it, it, it's it's going to hit every facet of American life, and uh, they, we we we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about in coming weeks that we probably never dreamed we would be addressing. Um, yeah. I, I'm 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 not sure how how where it goes. I'm just not. Well, and and let's talk about that. There there are so many facets to this thing, and people are rightfully worried about the economy. uh, But it seems like the first step you got to do is you got to handle the medical because the better the medical gets, the better the economic gets. Um, But it seems like at times, even early on, the Trump administration, he worried about his um, unemployment rate numbers, his economic numbers. He was kind of like, this terrible virus is going to ruin all that. Not this terrible virus is going to kill people. It's going to cause people to be sick. It's going to cause people to have right. ridiculous medical bills. Mm-hmm. How important is it you think it is that you get the steps right? <clears throat> Catherine? Oh, I'm sorry. 
um, I think you're absolutely right. We need to get uh, we need to get the medical, especially the logistics, the you know getting all these supplies out. I don't think people understand how important that is because that's what one of the problems that happened in Italy and now is happening in Spain is that the medical people, the medical staff, the nurses, the doctors, the everybody in, that's working in um, hospitals and clinics are getting sick, and then that limits the amount of um, care they can provide to the to everyone else that's getting sick. We need to get this. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the um, homeland, the FEMA guy on the news this morning, but he just would not answer questions. Um, it was it was extremely frustrating because he said, "Oh, we've shipped all the masks we have," but the more mm-hmm. he talked, the less. Did you see that, Tim? The more he yes, talked, the less he believed what he was saying. Um, so I think we need to get. That seems to to me to be the first thing. And all, well, the first thing is to get people to stay home. I mean, this is ridiculous the way these people are gathering out. I mean, it's happening in Atlanta, downtown Atlanta. The restaurants are, you know, busy. People are hanging out in parks all together. It's just, I just, that's, for me, that's very frustrating. But you're absolutely right, uh, David. There's steps we need to do this in order. I mean, obviously, if we can do more than one thing at a time, that's good. But really getting the medical stuff in order is really important. And you're absolutely right the way he was talking about this, like, well, this, is hurting, this yeah. is hurting my numbers. This is hurting my numbers, not. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no. I, I just was, I thought you were to uh, pull, uh, stop them. I'm sorry. Um, you, you have, no, but you've got to look at, you know, some people deal with the numbers and some people deal with or the, the finances and the economy and some people deal with the medicine, but you've got to get those efforts because they, you know, this bill they've been working on seemingly all weekend, has phases. And obviously the first phase seems like it should be the medical. Then you do in the economic um, recovery part of it later, which that seems to be the politically tricky part of this. Um, Tim, you've been watching, I guess, more of the um, you know, process. And you, I think I, I was out for a walk on the very wildlife management area while you were watching the news on this um, uh you know, the bills voting and it didn't pass. Kind of give us an update on what's going on there. Well, apparently uh, the House and Senate leadership both were in discussions um, since late Thursday, early Friday to try to plot a way forward with the next phase of this series of economic aid packages and uh, I kind of figured there was a problem when last night the speaker suddenly announced that the house would be passing their own package and uh, earlier today uh, Mitch McConnell had stood in the in the you know, well, of the Senate said, we got a bipartisan bill. We're going to vote on this thing at 3 o'clock. Next thing I know, he's out there announcing the vote's not till 6 o'clock. Next thing I know, I, I'm hearing that Democrats are not happy at all 
with the bill as it is constructed, and the next thing I know, they're having a vote, and every Republican is voting for it, and every Democrat has voted against it. And uh, now senators are taking turns uh, pointing the fingers out there. Um, So apparently they're not going to have a a bill tonight, or it doesn't look like it. And uh, I got to wonder if, 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 uh, well, obviously politics has reared its head. and and some something's up with this. I, I haven't quite figured it out yet, but I believe one group wants to give an inordinate amount of aid to corporations and the like, while the other group wishes to target the aid more toward individuals and you know you know regular folks and stuff. And and I'll give you one guess: who wants to do what? So that's where that now, is. And, I mean, and here's the thing. You do have to keep, you know, some big corporations uh, afloat because they do hire people. But you can actually have rules like you have to cut your salary by, you know, the executive salaries by a certain amount. You have to guarantee you're not going to lay people off. You're going to have to guarantee that you're not going to give, um, you know, balloon payment bonuses. And this was what, what's kind of you know ironic about all this, and I do want to talk to Dan Judy about this when he comes on, is the Tea Party started on the most conservative parts of the Republican Party because after the 2008 bailout, a lot of those folks were mad because um, you know a lot of those uh, Goldman Sachs and uh, Lehman, you know, all those big banks, the folks took huge uh, bonuses. They kept their big, you know, seven, eight-figure salaries, um, and there really wasn't anything for just regular folks. Now the Republicans are in charge. This is a, or at least the Senate side, they are. This is a bailout bill, and it's like they're just completely ignoring the will of a lot of folks in their party back from 2008. Catherine, what do you think of that? Yeah, it's. I mean, the, what I've read about this package, it, it, it is ridiculous that they're giving the – I mean, if, if what we are reading is, any, is in any way accurate, they're giving big bailouts to the, com- to the corporations, and then they're giving the least amount to the people who need it the most. I mean, it's, it's preposterous. You know, you hear about these um, – restaurant workers who, who've lost their jobs who probably don't make a lot of money and they're the ones that are going to get the least amount. And then I, it, it's just, um, I mean, I understand the, the idea that it's based on your, your, you know, uh, reported income, but that's really not where we, where they, how this should be done. It should be based on need, not on how much money you make uh, to me. But it, it, it's very difficult. I mean, I know that it's a challenge to figure these things out. I'm not denying that. But I, it's just, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just disappointing. A means in which you, 
yeah, you can guarantee everybody's salary. I'm sure most people would like to keep their salary um, as opposed to a thousand dollars, six hundred, or twelve hundred dollars, whatever amount check there is. Um, keep that coming. Um, but you know, there are some of these uh, you know jobs like restaurants. I mean, it's hard to um, uh, you know if you guarantee the the dollar forty seven or whatever they get before tips as a waiter or waitress, that really doesn't get you much anywhere. Um, but Tim, you know what, oh, David. Oh, go ahead, Tim. I, I was just going to say, you send this money directly to people like us. People like us will spend that money. We'll we'll spend it at grocery stores, which in turn will help the truck driving industry that delivers those groceries, and it'll help the farmers. It has a ripple effect. We if we will order things online, that'll help UPS, FedEx, Amazon, uh, all, all kind of uh, anybody that has an online business. We'll pay our bills with that money, which will help real estate companies, insurance companies, everybody that we owe the cable company. It has a ripple effect. We will use it. We are a service-oriented economy. And we need the money for the consumer to spend to keep this economy going. I understand the need for the airlines to be bailed out. I understand that them and their feeder industries have 10 million uh, employees. But I also understand that two years ago they all got a big tax cut and they turned around and they took the money and and – reinvested it in their own stocks to make even more money off of it. It didn't help anybody else. Isn't that true? Yes. I mean, it's, there is a, it all works together in such a complicated way. It's hard to figure out, but you know, people that do have less money will put it out in the economy faster than those that don't. Right. If you don't really have any needs, you can stick it in the bank. And it doesn't move the um, apparatus of the economy around. Uh, we just got just a few minutes, likely, before our guest comes on. So I want to get back to the topic we kind of alluded to. And that's talking about um, the election side of this and leaders and candidates on TV. You know, we, Donald Trump's been on TV every day. He goes on to the briefing, kind of introduces it, picks fights with reporters, saying they're bad reporters, um, makes news, <laughs> you know, renaming the virus, not according to health officials naming conventions, and just creates a lot of unnecessary stuff, and then gets out of the way and lets, you know, Dr. Fossey talk, who's really respected across the aisle. And then um, um, on both sides of the aisle, then you contrast that to Andrew Cuomo in particular, and there are probably a lot of governors that that would really do give good briefings. I just believe that, I guess, since the proximity to New York City, to Albany, or Albany up there, uh, that's why he gets more coverage, but he's been doing a great job. And then you contrast that to Joe Biden, who is the presumptive Democratic nominee, who really hadn't been seen since last Tuesday. Some will say he hadn't been seen since the debate in Arizona, but really, I guess the night he won, that he got a lot of coverage that night too, so that's Tuesday. Um, Catherine, do you think that this last week kind of hurting Joe Biden not being in the spotlight like – obviously his opponent in November, Donald Trump, but then even in contrast to a governor in his own party, Andrew Cuomo. 
No, I think it's good for, I, I mean, I think, uh, I think this is a crisis and um, I admire Joe Biden for, I mean, I think he has a, probably has a good perspective and has some um, guidance to offer, but he's not in a, in a leadership position. I mean, he's in a leadership position in the party, but I think it's wise for him to try to steer clear. Maybe he's working some things behind the scenes, trying to help people, trying to help, you know, move some of these things forward. But I think there's a lot of voices out there right now. And um, I'm not sure another one is such a good idea. So I admire him. Yeah, we'll we'll get more into this. We'll get back into this later with particularly the Andrew Cuomo part of this, but I want to welcome onto our uh, show for uh, three or four times now from uh, North Star Opinion Research, Mr. Dan Judy. Welcome, Dan. Hey, y'all. How are you? Doing good. Um, since you've been on last, uh, you've added a member of the family. Congratulations on that. <laughs> That's right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Well, well, I thought of not necessarily just you, but everybody in your situation with a little one that's not toilet trained. Uh, back to this, the whole, you know, when this thing fi- first started, everybody was going out and buying toilet paper, buying toilet paper. And, and this is before, you know, everything, everybody was put on lockdown. I, I was in the Kroger, and I walked back through the diaper aisle, and it was about half full and half empty. And I told um, yeah. one of my friends, I said, you know what? I could figure out how to live with di- t- uh, toilet paper as long as I didn't have a baby that needed diapers and didn't have it. That would be a horrible, horrible fate. So hopefully yeah, you stopped that. It right? would. <laughs> we we have, and fortunately I haven't had trouble getting them yet. So uh, so yeah, so that's been good. Yeah, he was 13 weeks old yesterday. So uh, oh. yeah, so life is good. We got plenty of diapers, and um, we're hanging in there. Yes. Well, uh, I just thought of that, and I thought, well, I'm going to mention that because that, to me, is the greatest fear. And they, they haven't been talking about it on the news, and hopefully it doesn't become a problem where they have to talk about it on the news. Um, right, yeah. Because that'll be bad I, I want to get out in front of that one for sure. <laughs> well, maybe we we shine the light on it right now that, that it won't become a problem. But now let's get more into so. some, some political uh, topics. And the first one I want to talk about is, of course, this virus and – the polling on this thing, while there's plenty of Republicans that do believe this is a real crisis are listening to the medical professionals, and there are some Democrats that are thinking this thing's been overblown. There's a percentage on each way that goes against the uh, part of their party. There is a polling divide that started showing itself up where there are more Republicans than Democrats that are dismissive of this as a crisis. Um, you know, even like Ken Buck of Colorado, uh, their Don Young of Alaska called it the beer virus for whatever reason. Um, and then, of course, early on, Fox News, they were dismissive of it at first. Um, what, could be, what could be done to kind of mitigate that to where people can kind of come together at least is seeing it's a problem? Yeah, well, the the biggest thing is is that the president could start saying it's a problem, which he has. So he he has started saying that it's a problem, but um, and, and I think that's going to help turn some of those numbers around. Um, but but you're right. I mean, there there's definitely a divide, and and the reason for it is because people tend to follow not just the people who lead them, but the news sources they listen to, and so. You know, as you noted, um, you know, Fox News is, was way out in front calling this thing a hoax or, 
you know, it's not serious. It's not a big deal. And um, a lot of Republicans only get their news from Fox. And, um, and that had a big impact. Um, you know, the president obviously being pretty dismissive for a long time sort of set in, I think, with a lot of people. And I've, I mean, I have seen uh, very strong Trump supporters on social media and elsewhere who still who say that the president is saying it's a problem now just because he's kind of buckling to pressure from the media, that he doesn't really believe it, that it's not really a problem. And, um, you know, as the days and weeks go on and this gets worse, as I think it's likely to before it gets better, I, you know, at a certain point, who are you going to believe, you know, the president or your lying eyes? And, um, and so I think you'll see those numbers start to start to close. Yeah, and, and, I, and I see, like, I fortunately really don't know anybody personally that's been affected by this, uh, you know, crisis. But I read online about a lady in New Jersey that her mother, two brothers and a sister, or maybe it was two sisters and a brother, four family members uh, passed away to do this thing. And I'm sure yeah. if you told her uh, this is a hoax, uh, she'd probably have some right. cool words for you. That's when it you know, <laughs> turned was, unfortunately, people get affected in a more real way. Well, I had another question kind of um, regarding the stimulus package that's being proposed and some facets of it. And I want to kind of think back to the last uh, time we had one of these economic crises that was really not as bad as this looks like it'll be. Um, but we had to have some, you know, auto company bailouts, some uh, banking mm-hmm. bailouts. And a lot of the money, you know, people complained, and probably rightfully so, that it went to, um, you know, the wealthy fat cats that run the place. They got balloon payments and bonuses, and they took their whole salary. And out of that was born the Tea Party, the most conservative right. elements of the Republican Party. They <laughs> said, you know, this shouldn't have happened. Now Republican Senate, the Senate bill is being said to have, you know, very little control on some of these same elements, and yet so many of the Republican senators, a lot of which got elected by these Tea Party elements, are not um, heeding the lessons from roughly a decade ago. Um, why not, or am I just missing something? No, I, I don't think you're missing missing anything necessarily. I, I mean, I, I do think that there. I mean, there's definitely kind of a dissonance, obviously, between what kind of the more conservative elements were saying a decade ago and what they're saying now, um, and and that can be chalked up to you know kind of a, a general sort of hypocrisy in politics that is not uh, that, that neither poli- uh, party has a monopoly on. Um, the other part of it is, I think, that makes this a little bit different is that. There was a sense around the financial crisis that the big banks got us into this mess, and they ought not to have been bailed out for getting us into this mess. This one is a little different because it, this, this was under nobody's control. You know, a, a virus, it's, it's kind of like a hurricane or some other sort of natural disaster where it wasn't like there was some, you know, robber baron making a bunch of bad business decisions um, that, that is getting bailed out by the government. So I, I do think that there is a – that the situations are not quite, um, you, know, you are not quite the same. Um, but you know, we'll see. I, I know that the you know the Senate, we still don't know exactly. I guess what's going to come out of the bill, but there, you know, there is going to be a, a, a kind of unbelievable sum of money um, involved in it, and a lot of it is going to be targeted towards um, you know just average Americans, and, and whether that's in the, ter- in the in the form of just a check or, or what, or uh, extended unemployment insurance or bridge loans or all of the above. Um, I do think that you're going to see more 
of this, you know, sort of bailout, as it were, uh, targeted towards small business and um, and and just normal workers. I mean, the, you know, the, the the big boys are going to get their share of it too. <laughs> There's no question about that. But I th- I think we're going to see more of it go to smaller businesses and, and workers. Yes. Well, I'm going to pass this over to Catherine, who will pass it to Tim. And if there's time, I may have some more political, long-range questions than just what we've been in the last few weeks. Catherine? Sure. Hey, thanks for being on tonight. I I know we're all sort of cooped up in our houses. It's nice to have um, (laughs) people to talk to. (laughs) At least, Yeah, it's good to have some some adults. It's just me and my cat. Yeah, I've got a four-year-old and an infant, so it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's good to have some, some more adult conversation. Exactly. Um, so I, I've been watching this, and, you know, I, I, I have to admit I can't watch the president every day or I just de- fall into some sort of deep depression. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what do, you, what do you think about this, um, these, uh, you know, he'll he'll get up there and say one thing, and then the scientists sort of carefully contradict what he says, and then he says it again. Or we also have this, you know, they keep saying, "Oh, we're sending out all these supplies from our strategic um, stockpile," but the hospitals are saying, "Well, we're not getting them." So how do we? Um, how does that sort of what does the impact of that kind of back and forth have on us? And what is the need for it? Like, why can't they just be more straightforward? Well, I mean, part of it is the, is the nature of the president and this White House, which is, it is, it is a chaotic environment. And, and, that is, and that's by design. I mean, that's, that's the way Donald Trump has always conducted himself in kind of a chaotic and disruptive way. It's, it's what it's in a lot of ways what what people who love him love about it. Um, you know, it, it's been interesting watching, the, especially the last couple of days. You know, for a long, long time, um, he didn't do any press conferences. He kind of stopped doing them, and now yeah. it's like he's doing one every day. And and I'm and I'm watching. I've started to watch these things, and I'm like, these are his rallies now. You know, he, he, is, he is conducting these in a lot of ways like he, he would conduct his rallies, which he obviously can't do right now. Um, he's going out and he's setting up, um, you know, set, setting up bad guys and knocking them down and um, arguing with the press and doing his riffs. And, um, and, I, and I think he's, he's using these as, you know, kind of the, the way to communicate to, to his hardcore base and in a way that he used to do through his rallies. And, in a, in a sense, it has been effective. You know, the interesting thing, um, and, you know, we're still in the very early phases of this, but there have been some polls conducted in the last week, you know, since things have really gotten serious, and his numbers have not moved. I mean, it's, it's just, it's kind of bizarre. You, you would have expected perhaps to have seen a huge tank in his ratings, but that just has not happened. I think his, his average in the polls right now is 44% approved, 52% disapproved, which is more or less what it's been for, you know, three and a half years, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, is that going to change as, as the days and the weeks go on? I, I mean, I, I think that it certainly could. Um, it's just, it's so hard not knowing what the future holds with this. It's so hard to know exactly what, what sort of impact he's, it's going to have on him. 
Um, but um, but as of as of you know week one, he's basically where he was at the start, which is pretty amazing. But I guess that's it is <laughs> that they're going to believe him and trust him, and or I don't know if they trust him, but they support him in. Um, in whatever he says. And now the other thing I'm wondering about is this um, is the Andrew Cuomo and Gavin Newsom, how I'm just sort of waiting for um, the president to start attacking them. He has, he did it a little bit at the early in the week, but he's backed off a little. And I'm just wondering what you think about that sort of play, because it seems like a lot of people, I mean, I haven't watched Andrew Cuomo every day, and I have to admit that um, over the course of time, I haven't been a huge fan of Andrew Cuomo, mm-hmm. even though he is a good, solid Democrat. Um, but I, I'm just sort of waiting for that to just eat into um, the president because Andrew Cuomo is getting a lot of attention. So oh, yeah. I, I'm just, what do you do? You think that's going to crop up as a? <sighs> I mean, uh, just given what given what we've seen from this president, it's hard for me to imagine that he won't continue to to go after him, especially with with Joe Biden laying so low right now. Um, you know, I, I think I, I think that you know Cuomo and Newsom certainly present bigger targets at the moment. Um, but it's you know it's just um, it, it's just a strange time. And you know, one thing that that is sort of always held true in politics is that a and, and usually this applies to governors, but a leader's response to a natural disaster can make or break that person's political career. And the, the best example ever was, um, was with Hurricane Katrina, where you know, Kathleen Blanco in Louisiana did, did so badly, performed so badly that she didn't even run for reelection. That, you know, she, she became so unpopular that she didn't even seek reelection. But in Mississippi and Alabama, where the Gulf Coast there you know, bore – I mean, just an absolutely devastating blow. Um, Haley Barber and, and Bob Riley performed so well that they're basically legends now in their states. I mean, their their ratings just you know absolutely skyrocketed, and and we've seen that you know over and over and over again. I mean, you think about somebody like Rick Scott, who you couldn't imagine ever actually being elected to the Senate, and then the hurricanes came through, and he did a pretty good job, and he all of a sudden became competitive in the Senate race, and then you know eked out a win. Um, it happens. It happens a lot, and I, I think that, you know, once the the full breadth of this thing is known, and that may be months from now, um, whether or not Trump is perceived to have steered us through it, regarding you know, despite some early missteps, or if he's been a complete disaster, I think will you know could, could very well be the determining issue um, next November. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I'm not. Thank you very much. I'm going to go ahead and pass this to Tim. Good evening, Mr. Judy, and uh, I'd like to echo what David said and congratulate you on on your new addition to your home. Thank you very uh, much. I, wa- I wanted I, I wanted to uh, add one thing to you. We're talking about the availability of diapers. I am so old <laughs> that when my firstborn was born, he had cloth diapers. You know, with <laughs> with pins and rubber pants and the whole nine yards. So if, if you got a lot of older diapers, folks, <laughs> you, 
Yeah. If, if you got a lot of older folks in your family, though, they might have some of those put away in, in their old hope chest. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, yeah, I, you know, in desperate times, like call for desperate measures. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> There's a way around everything. Anyway, that's right. Um, we are a political show, so I wanted to ask you a couple of uh, political questions about some U.S. Senate stuff going on. Now, one thing that's happened is the uh, runoff over in Alabama between Tommy Tuberville and Jeff Sessions Mm -hmm. has been delayed, as you know, to July the 14th. Now, my way of thinking is that probably uh, makes Senator Jones very happy because nobody can turn their guns on him yet. He's in a tough situation as it is. Number two, that probably makes Jeff Sessions pretty happy uh, because he was facing a double-digit deficit (laughs) and and a president and and everything else. Uh, And so it seems to me that, uh, well, my question is, uh, doesn't that pretty much benefit everyone over there except Tommy Tuberville? Uh, Yes. I mean, I think the short answer is yes, but I also – at this point, I mean, unless unless in that intervening time, Jeff Sessions is able to use it to convince uh, Donald Trump to rescind his endorsement of Tuberville and give it to Sessions, I still I still see Tuberville winning that runoff. And I have to say, as a University of Georgia graduate, the idea of seeing a former Auburn football coach in the Senate does sort of pain me. Uh, um, but uh, but but I, I mean, I do think that that you know he that, that the Trump endorsement is is likely to be, um, you know, regardless of what happens with the coronavirus in the next few months. I mean, I think the Trump endorsement in a Republican primary in Alabama is likely to to continue to be golden. Um, What it says for the fall, I mean, it's, you know, again, like, you know, if if, if Donald Trump's, you know, approval ratings drop into the 20s, you know, maybe Doug Jones will still have a shot. I still think Tommy Tuberville will be the favorite over over Jones um, in that mm-hmm. uh, you know in, in that in that race. You know, probably a, a pretty significant favorite. Yeah, I certainly agree with you on that. I, my main angle, though, was would anything change? But but what what you're saying is the endorsement of Trump is going to stick whether the election the runoff is yesterday or in July, right? Yeah, I think I think that's right. I mean, you know, voters in that in that primary are, are most likely to take their cues, I think, from the president. And I mean, that's what we've seen in primary after primary going back to you know 2018. And I think that's going to I think that would be the case here, too. Mm-hmm. Um, also, right next door here in our state, there was some uh, news of note about uh, our appointed U.S. Senator, uh, Miss Loeffler. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the stock stuff going on and her husband being the president of the New York Stock Exchange. And politically speaking, she she's facing a situation, too. There are two pretty strong Democrats in the race that are vying to be one of the two people um, in, this, in what will surely be a runoff with 20 candidates on the ballot. Not only that, she is facing a pure Republican heavyweight in this state, in Doug Collins. Did this hit that she took? Well, is is it is it enough to do her in? 
I, it's too early to say. Um, I mean, you know, I think, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's definitely, it's definitely too early to say, but it's not good. Um, a, you know, a, a, an incumbent, a more seasoned politician, I think, you know, could, could more easily weather something like this. Um, but, you know, she, she was already facing a, a difficult challenge from Collins and, um, and this, this is not going to make it any easier. I, I would not, I wouldn't write her, her obituary yet. But it's, you know, it, it hasn't been a good week for Kelly Loeffler, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to ask you one more question, uh, but, but because of, uh, of the type business you in, you, you, you might be asking some questions about this and, and seeing where it goes. If this thing goes long term, and we had to, say, go to a national mail-in, for ballots in every state. Uh, first of all, do you think it would work? And secondly, do you think one or either party would benefit from something like that? Whew. Wow, that's boy. There's a lot. There's a lot to. <laughs> there's a lot to think yeah. about there. Um, you know, and we. This is you know, pre, you know, purely speculative. I, you know, would it would it work? I, you know, I, I think it would probably be a disaster. Um, <laughs> I mean, unless we started planning for it like now, and it would. And part of the problem is is that um, every state would have to implement it themselves. And I think some mm-hmm. states would probably implement it pretty well, and some states would not implement it well at all. And I mean, my gosh, just think about the potential for lawsuits and contention and, and states where the vote was closed. I mean, I, I think it, mm-hmm. I think that would kind of be a nightmare. Um, who would it benefit? Again, I I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> um, I, I I really I really can't say. Um, I know that's not a very satisfying answer, but I I, I do yeah. I do think that um, I, I I do think that if if we faced a situation like that. Um, the 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 environment in this country, political and culturally and otherwise, will have been so upended um, that it's you know I, I I don't even know that we could predict anything at that point. Um, uh, you know I I think I mean I think that this is likely to be the defining political issue, obviously of of this you know of this cycle. Um, I mean it's uh-huh. you know uh, it's probably the defining event of this era, um, if not beyond. And and we're just at the beginning of it, you know. We just we have we have no idea where where it's going from here. So, um, you know, I, I like everybody else, and just you know, hoping and praying that it um, that it ends as quickly as possible with as little loss of life as possible. But it is certainly going to have massive political implications. The extent to which now I I can't even guess. I mean, I I, I could see everything from a bungled disastrous response leading to Trump losing in a landslide to a, you know, relatively, you know, easy passing of this and a recovery and a, and a, a economy on the upswing going into November that, that sweeps Trump to reelection. I mean, I, I think both of those things are, are totally on the table right now. Um, and, and right now there's just no way to know. Mm. All right. And with that, I'm going to send it back to David. David? Yes. Well, well Dan, I, I wanted to ask some more political questions about the U.S. Senate in particular. 
And there's a lot of different scenarios in which talk about the Republicans uh, keeping control or the Democrats passed mm-hmm. the re, you know retaking control. But one that wasn't on the table until just about two or three weeks ago was Montana. Steve Bullock, mm-hmm. popular governor who ran for president, but that just didn't translate. But he's still very popular in Montana. He announced for um, Senate, and that now becomes a competitive race. Just how competitive is that seat? Uh, it, I, I would, I would say it, it's still. I mean, I, I would say it's say it is still a, um, a a lean Republican seat. I mean, having having Bullock in the race definitely means that it will be a race. I mean, it, it you know before I, you know nobody was going to pay attention to it. Now there will be attention. There will be money spent, um, and it will and and it will definitely be competitive. Um, you know, I think that I, I would still give um, the Republicans the edge there uh, just because I think that, that the, the president is like, I mean, I think he got 55, 56% of the vote there, um, you know, in, in 2016. I think he's likely to win it again this time, um, which, you know, that, that's going to make it very few people split their tickets these days. So it's, that, that alone is going to make it very hard, you know, for Bullock to pull it out. But, you know, it, 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 will, be, it will be an interesting and competitive race now. The Democrats, I'm sure. I mean, that was a that was a. They've been trying to get Bullock in that race for a long time, and that was a, definitely a recruiting coup for them, for sure. Yes. Well, I could continue to pull, uh, you know, states up and candidates and everything else. I just wanted to kind of ask you, what are some races that we hadn't asked about yet that you think are intriguing? Well, I mean, you, you have, you know, kind of the obvious ones, Arizona and Colorado, um, which are, um, you know, those are, those are true toss-up seats. They're going to be, um, they're going to be tough for Republicans, but both are very winnable. I mean, you know, it, uh, in, in Arizona, um, you know, if, if Trump is able to win the state again, that gives Martha McSally, you know, a, a, a good leg up. Um, Colorado's in kind of the same state, in kind of the same situation that Montana was in. Uh, Cory Gardner was was you know he he was in a swing state, but he didn't have a really strong challenger. And then John Hickenlooper got in, and and that that's going to be a tough one. But Cory Gardner is also a really good fit for that state, and um, and so I think I you know I think he's going to give it a um, I think he's going to make it a good race. Um, you know I think that um, you know one that you know obviously you have the two here in Georgia, um, which we talked about. You know I think the 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 race, you know, the special election, just because it's got the jungle primary and the runoff and control of the Senate could very well depend on the result of that runoff, which is, which is interesting. I mean, we'll know, we'll know who has the tie breaking vote at that point, And we'll know what state, you know, kind of what state both parties are in. Um, so that, that will be interesting to watch just, you know, will that be the, the deciding seat? And in which case, I mean, People better buckle up down there if, if that's the case. That you know, David Perdue, I think, um, barring some kind of unforeseen crazy cataclysm, is I, I think will win, um, you know, fairly comfortably. Um, I, I know he's, he would he isn't and wouldn't take anything for granted, but I think um, he's pretty popular and I think will do well. Um, you know, the Democrats, other than other than Alabama, don't have a bunch of tough defense. Michigan could get interesting. One that I've always been a little bit curious about is Minnesota, uh, just because this, the incumbent there, Tina Smith, who um, you probably remember, uh, was appointed to the seat after Al Franken uh, resigned. Um, she's never run on her own 
uh, you know, kind of run on our own right before. So um, that's, that's one where, um, you know, if she turns out to be just like a horrible candidate, um, it's, it's possible, you know, the Republicans could, could, could sneak one off there, but, uh, but, but, you know, right now it's, you know, kind of the, the big ones are the ones people are talking about. Maine is the other one um, that, you know, the Republicans are defending with Susan Collins. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough state for Republicans, but again, Susan Collins is a good fit for the state. She's been there for a long time, and um, and she definitely won't go down without a fight. Yes. Now, now you mentioned a lot of the different Republican uh, the incumbents in general. I mean, you mentioned the incumbents. Thinking about some of the challengers of all these different states, you know, Mark Kelly seems like a, a unique individual with his, mm-hmm. um, you know, astronaut background. And then Sarah Gideon, she was the, the leader of, um, I believe, the House of Representatives up there, and uh, she right. seems like a real dynamic individual. How much are some of these races going to come down to the challengers as well? Um, quite a bit. I mean, you know, the, 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 um, the challenger, especially against an incumbent, matters a lot. And, you know, like we talked about, the, the Democrats have recruited some pretty good challengers. You know, the, Mark Kelly obviously isn't an incumbent, but he's extremely well-known. Um, not just from the astronaut stuff, but, uh, you know, because, um, because of his wife. And so, um, you know, he, he is a well-known, known commodity and popular figure in the state. So, um, you know, he, he, was, he was a good recruit. Um, you know, the, the Democrats got, I guess, the candidate they wanted in, in North Carolina uh, and Cunningham. You know, I don't know. He's, he's certainly not on par with some of the other sort of A-list challengers that we've talked about. But, you know, I, I think he's the candidate they thought had the best shot. Um, against Tom Tillis, but um, there really are very few um, open seats this time, and and not many that look to be competitive at the moment. So it's they're going to um, you know be a lot of incumbents on the ballot this time. Yes. Well, um, Dan, we thank you for coming on the show. If somebody wants to follow you on social media or read some of your writings, um, how could they do that? Oh yeah. Um, well, our uh, our website is northstaropinion.com, and we most of our most of our stuff is sort of uh, is is kind of for private client use. But we do occasionally post some some interesting things we're seeing, or some um, when we're in the news and things like that. We post that on the site, and then my Twitter is just at Dan Judy, and I don't tweet that much, and I'm trying actually to spend as little time on Twitter as possible right now. Uh, in the midst of the coronavirus, <laughs> I find it better. I find it's better for my mental health. But um, but I do I, I do occasionally uh, tweet um, at at Dan Judy. All right. Well, thanks again for giving us uh, just a little portion of your evening tonight. Yeah. Well, thank you all for having me. Having me back, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. <clears throat> yeah, love thank to have you, you back, sir. Sure. All right, you bet. Thanks, gang. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That take care, Dan Judy of uh, North Star Opinion Strategies. Always good to have him on has a lot of insight, and you know that he's got a lot of numbers, you know, behind his analysis, which uh, kind of helps have some we don't get since none of us are pollsters. Um, but let's kind of get back. I guess, Catherine, we were talking about Andrew Cuomo, and I'll give you this question first, and then Tim can jump on it too. Let's say this was the old days, and the primaries really, there's a few of them, but they're non-binding. We were going to pick delegates, and the delegates were going to pick the nominee. How much or how um, likely would that point under that old system? And I know none of us lived under that system, but under that old system, would um, 
Andrew Cuomo's star be shining right now is the nominee. You mean – no, no, like, I don't think so. You, you don't think what he's – him being on TV, doing exactly in so many ways the opposite of what Donald Trump is day in, day out, he wouldn't be the guy. I, I, mean, I'm not, I mean, there would be no primaries for Joe Biden have won in this weird world scenario. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> if you could take Andrew Cuomo uh, as as a solitary figure without any of his history or his family, maybe. But I don't think that with um, some of the things he's done and his family. I just don't see it. Uh, I don't see him presidential. You say his family. Mario Cuomo is the only one I can think of as far as like political family. Wouldn't Mario Cuomo be a net plus? Uh, I don't think so. You don't think so? Okay. Well, no. Tim, some same questions. I mean, he, there there were there oh, were a well, lot ahead, of rumors Catherine. about about Mario Cuomo and. He did not run for president because of some of them. So, um, and I think there's some similar kind of rumors that, I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. I have a lot of respect for the Cuomo family, and but I think there's some uh, there's some skeletons in those closets that would probably make it a difficult run. Okay. T- Tim, same kind of scenario questions here. Well, um, you know, you, there's been nothing to do but compare his pressers to Trump's. And it's like the difference in daylight and dark. He looks like what you think a president should look like. He looks like somebody in charge. And I think people like that and they're comforted by that. It, it is rumored, by the way, that that Trump has been privately furious about this because he thinks that the governor is, uh, well, stealing his thunder. If you've watched some of Trump's pressers, they've been totally different with the I don't take responsibility at all. And and, and when you see uh, Cuomo on there, he appears to be a straight shooter. Here's where we are. And here's what we're going to do, and here is the information that we have, and we're going to give it to you now. And uh, then we're going to get back to work. All those things do look rather presidential. Um, if If it were the type of world you were talking about, though, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know the answer to that if he would be. Uh, the person that would be stepping forward to make himself available to be the nominee might be a good running mate um, to compliment, say, a female uh, presidential nominee from another part of the country, something like that. But as far as presidential material, well, you know, it's something when when a governor of a state looks far more presidential than the man we need to look presidential, isn't it? Definitely so. And, um, yeah, and I, I think he's become too much of an alpha at this point in the way he looks. He, I don't think he could be a vice presidential nominee at this point because he might overshadow um, a, 
a lot of top of the tickets, if you will. I mean, he, he's not going to be picked because Joe Biden's already said he's going to pick a woman. But he would, uh, to me, at this point, he might overshadow Joe Biden. I mean, he is really, and this is not ending. We may be in, the, we maybe have two, three more weeks of this strike where his press conferences are, get equal billing to the national press conference, and he looks far more in charge and coherent um, and around every aspect. Um, but let, there may be more. Yes, unfortunately, this keeps going on. But let's talk about Kay Loeffler. We asked Dan Judy about it. Let's get our thoughts. Catherine, when you first heard about <laughs> Richard Burr and then heard about Kelly Loeffler, uh, Catherine, what are your thoughts? Oh, boy. Oh, it's just it's it's um it's it's horrible <laughs> it's, it's the worst kind of behavior to me to take advantage of uh of something i mean i've been furious with um investors and stock market players for for the past 10 days because now is not the time to 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 gouge and take advantage of <laughs> our financial system. But for someone who's a in a um, in a leader, uh, allegedly in a leadership position. I mean, obviously she's a a freshman and she was appointed, but she's one of one hundred, and she should be behaving better. Um, and same with Burr. Um, and and I guess there's some others too. I, you know, I don't. I, I haven't read enough about all of them, but, I mean, it's clear that Loeffler and Burr have misbehaved. I knew that her husband – I knew that what her husband did before all this came out. I, I knew all about him. So that didn't, that wasn't a big surprise to me. But, yeah, it's the worst kind of behavior in this kind of situation. Yeah, and I read about her husband, too, and his job, and I kind of thought, you know, it seems like if you have that kind of job, then you ought to put your – portfolio and some kind of blind trust or put all in mutual funds. I mean, I know, I know something could theoretically come up where you have your money out of the market, but if you have it mutual funds, you just have to divest the whole thing, and it wouldn't be like you could use that kind of information. That It seems like a referee in a sport betting on the game. Um, it just seems like it shouldn't exist, irregardless of if, her, if his uh, spouse is a U.S. senator. Um, Tim, your thoughts on Kayla Loeffler and what this does to her chances in November? Well, let's just think about this logically. This is not <laughs> the time for the people of this state to be hearing about this. Voters in this state right now are trying to figure out how to pay their bills, find supplies, keep food on the table as they lose their jobs and their 401ks, stuff like that. And then they see Kelly Loeffler selling millions in stock, a lot of which she jointly owned with her husband. And the day that she did it, and, and and plus, they bought stocks in companies that would benefit during this crisis, like teleworking, that Citrus bunch or whatever their name is. Why well, it stinks to high heaven? And if they don't, if she doesn't answer all of this, 
in a satisfactory way. I tell you, the voters are going to remember this. This is one thing they are not going to forget in November. They're not happy to start with. And then for her to pull a stunt like this, oh, my goodness, it stinks to high heaven. uh, (laughs) She better answer this, two things. What did she know and when did she know it? She better answer those two things satisfactorily. Or, or, or I'm gonna I'm gonna say right now she is dead in the water. Yeah, well and she's gonna pull others down with her. Um, you know, Richard Burr may pull others down with him. you know, Dan was mm-hmm. talking about that North Carolina race with Tom uh Tillis and, and um Cal Cuttingham. Even if Tom Tillis didn't get involved, she can he can pull her down. Same thing with Kelly Loeffler. He can pull. She can pull. You know, could pull the president's numbers down. Could pull David Perdue's numbers down. Now there were some stock transactions there, but he did buy Delta. Now he may have bought like three shares to throw off the cent. I don't know. Um, but but I guess buying Delta right before this crisis, um, if you bought enough of it, might absolve you. Um, it might have been the worst, best stock transaction uh, somebody's ever made. Uh, but for her, yeah. you know, I think she's the toast that popped out of the toaster and was really had a little bit too much brown and black on it for a picky kid. And then somebody's just pressed the button and stuck that thing down for another cycle. She is burnt toast. Um, well, Collins, you, he didn't even need this help, and now he's got more help than he could ever want because – Republicans now don't have to choose between her and Raphael Warnock or Matt Lieberman or uh, Ed Tarver. They can pick one of their own in Doug Collins, and they probably were going to anyway, and now they're just going to pick it harder and faster. Tim, you had another thought? Well, yeah, I did. You mentioned Burr. Now, he's the chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee. He sold, they think, between 628000 and $1.7 million of his holdings way back in mid-February when they were having meetings on this stuff. Was he acting on classified information? Hey, you can't do that. You can go to jail for that. It is more than him just losing his job. Of course, I do want to say this. Both he and Loeffler have denied everything. But they they better get out in front of this and say something in a hurry because they are facing calls for their resignations, and not just from Democrats, but from people in their own party. Uh, You saw what Tucker Carlson said. Yeah. I mean, he he went through the roof right right on his show there. So they 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 better do something in a hurry. I bet Republicans in in, in both North Carolina and and at the top of the party here in Georgia too are just frantic about that, don't you? Yeah, and Catherine, this is Brian Kemp's pick. This is the person he picked, <laughs> and this doesn't come down to electability. This has become a question of integrity, which I don't know that a lot of us were you know, detracting from her at this point. Now it's not, oh, she's too conservative for Georgia or she's too inexperienced. She lacks integrity, um, if mm-hmm. this is true, which there's a whole lot of smoke. Oh, yeah, uh, and, and 
will it reflect on Brian Kemp is the question also. Yeah. Yeah. Does it put his his integrity and his, um, uh, you know, his uh, decision-making up for, up for question? Yeah, and I don't know the best move. Uh, if I'm him, I, I might want to try to push her out of the race, uh, push her to resign. Um, I, I guess if she resigns, he'd get another pick. He'd probably just say, forget it. I need to focus on my business, and I'm just going to pick Collins um, and keep this mm-hmm. clean. Or she just serves out the term. Um, but really, I mean, honestly, I mean, there's been people that have gone to jail for insider trading, and people said, compared this to Martha Stewart. And they said what both of these people did was worse because she didn't work off, work off of government intelligent yeah. briefings. Um, and then, of course, they ignored, let's get tests, let's get masks, let's get ventilators, let's sell our stocks is what they did. Um, it, right. it just, uh, you know, mystifying. Yeah, that's what I, well, uh, that's well why Catherine, I was good to have you back. kind of misbehavior. Thank you. I'm glad yeah, to be back. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Nice well, um, thanks again, Dan. Yeah. Until Jan, Dan, Judy, and until next week. Been the Cudsy Vine. Good, Good night, night y'all. guys.